I'm reading to you from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 20 and verse 35. It came to pass in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David and a little lad with him. And he said unto his lad, Run, find out now the arrows which I shoot. And as the lad ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. And when the lad was come to the place of the arrow which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried after the lad and said, Is not the arrow beyond thee? And Jonathan cried after the lad, Make spade, haste, stay not. Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came to his master. But the lad knew not anything. Only Jonathan and David knew the matter. Our subject to you today is simply going to be entitled, Put Your Shoes On. Put Your Shoes On. Shake hands with someone by you. Say something very good to them. Very uplifting. Say something encouraging to them. Amen. I want to thank, thank you for praying for my mother. Mother is home and she's resting comfortably. And um, so uh, the procedure was a little bit more involved than they anticipated. But uh, uh, as someone said here today, yeah, David, I joined Amen. I love you, David. David's always loved my mom, and she's always loved him back. But someone told me today, your mom's a tough old bird, and, uh, and she is. So um, we're grateful, grateful. So thank you. Thank you for that. We've had calls and texts from all over the world praying for your mom. That's uh, the advantage of being a part of the kingdom. Grateful for the church. This is uh, an arrangement between David and Jonathan. They're trying to figure out <clears throat> something about Jonathan's dad. They're trying to figure out is he furious with David or is he willing to allow him into his life again? So in type, you have a couple people who are wondering what is the will of the Father? And they make this agreement between each other. Jonathan said, I'm going to take this boy and I'm going to have him go out in the field and then I'm going to shoot an arrow and I'm going to make sure that I shoot that thing over his head and I'm going to ask that young fella very specifically is it beyond you? Is it beyond you? It's very clear that uh, the only people that knew what were going on was Jonathan and David. 
the young boy the, that was there didn't have a clue, totally clueless. I want to say at the outset of this message today that <clears throat> not everyone is going to know what's going on in the spirit right now. The word says in Corinthians 4 and 18, we look not at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. That we actually look at things which are not seen. So there is a place in him where you hear what is not going to be broadcast to the masses. You're going to see something that is not seen by everybody. It's an election year. And like so many others, I, I'm curious and I listen to the arguments of the various candidates. I saw something that made me laugh on, on YouTube recently. I guess YouTube has become my uh, Encyclopedia Britannica. Whenever I want to learn how to do something, I, I go to YouTube. I, uh, my, my refrigerator didn't work, and I called the refrigerator people, and they said, um, we will fix it for $1,400. <clears throat> so I went to YouTube, and I found a guy that had the exact problem that I had. He gave me the address. I ordered the thing. It cost me $7.40. I fixed it in 10 minutes for $7.40 for what some other bum was going to charge me $1,400 for. So I'm a great believer in YouTube. And uh, I saw something this week that made me laugh. It was, it was a long list of uh, what I guess you would call luminaries who just flat out said, Four years ago, Donald Trump will never be the nominee of the Republican Party. And then after he was nominated, the officials went so far as to include the sitting president who said Donald Trump will never be the next president of the United States. Senators said it. Hollywood stars and starlets said it. Broadcast journalists all said the same thing. Donald Trump will never be president. I am not here touting one political party above the other. I'm just a casual observer and an interested bystander who asked a question that a lot of people asked three years ago. How in the world did this guy get elected? How in the world did this happen? I've heard the opinions of so many people, but recently an obscure newspaper man gave a, a little speech, a little talk, and uh, this is what he said. Donald Trump heard a voice that nobody else heard. And... Uh, that's why he's president today. And he went into great detail about a group of Americans that felt neglected. He said many of them do not have degrees. 
They are scorned by the educated elite, but they felt that they've been overlooked for a long time and they decided to let their voice be known. If that will work for a sitting president, it will work for the church. You're going to have to hear something that's not so obvious. You're going to have to see something that's clandestine and muted to so many. If you can tap into this, things change. The message, the arrow, was beyond the young man. And that's my message to you today. With this church, as it always has been and remains the focus of my life, I reach out to you once again to encourage you to stretch. Because has there ever, ever been a time when direction is needed more than right now? The secret to so many was a perfect understanding between David and Jonathan. Do we have the favor or we do we have the fury of the Father? Is the arrow past you or not? To the young lives in this church, I've said this and I'll stand by it forever. You get strength in a church from your elders. But the life of a church comes from its youth. And to you young men and young ladies that are here, it's a simple question. But to the anointed shepherd boy that was listening intently nearby, listening for that voice to say, is it beyond you or not? A lot of others will not hear it. But to those of you who are listening today, you will get an answer to go back to the way it's always been, or do we head out towards the unknown? Our answer, ladies and gentlemen, is ahead of us. It's not in our wake. It's not in our past. It's sure not at our side. It's ahead of us. Because I'm convinced that perception is more important than power. I'm going to say it to you again. Perception is more important than power. What is it that separates one ministry from another? What is that magic elixir and that lotion that separates one church from another? This is what it says in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 12. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. There is something in the scripture known as the parable of the talents, to where the Lord gave one man one talent, and he gave another two, two talents, and he gave another one five talents. And he basically said, occupy till I come. Translation says, do business until I come back. When the Lord came back, the man with two had doubled 
into four. The man with five now had ten. You cannot say that the man with two did any less than the man with five. They both doubled what they possessed. But to that person that was given a solitary talent, he blew off the dust and he returned it intact and scratch-free to the Lord. And he said, I knew that you were a terrible, difficult man, that you always reaped where you didn't sow. And so I hid my talent in the ground and I have brought it back to you. The Lord said, you wicked servant, be cast into outer darkness. And then it said he took that talent and gave it to the man who had more than anybody else. He did not give that one talent to the man who had four. He gave that talent to the man that had turned his five into ten. Listen again. For whosoever has, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. There is something in God that you can have. And if you have it, it guarantees that more will be given to you. Because contrary to this confused electorate that has somehow been convinced that Bernie Sanders is going to pay off all their student loans, I asked someone in our church last time, if you could vote, they weren't old enough to vote, but I said, if you could vote, who would you vote for? And they said, we would vote for Bernie Sanders. And I said, why? And he said, because when I go to college, Bernie's going to pay off all of my student loans. And I said, no, he isn't, stupid. I'm going to pay off all your student loans. I saw a man confront Elizabeth Warren in Iowa this past week. She wants to forgive 400 plus billion, billion with a B, of student loans. And the man said, my friends had new cars. While I drove an old 10-year-old vehicle, my friends took elaborate vacations while I worked overtime. I paid for my daughter's education, and when she graduated, she had no student debt. Do you intend to reimburse me my money? And she said, absolutely not. Another man said, I'm a long-haul trucker. I've got a $140,000 loan on my truck. Will you forgive that? as well. There's a cost for money, ladies and gentlemen. Money's not free. There's a cost involved in it. And there is something obvious that Jesus said, whoever has it, more is going to be given to you in abundance. And whoever doesn't have it, what they do have is going to be taken away and given to the one that has. Listen to me very carefully. God is not a socialist. God is not some righteous Robin Hood. 
who takes from the rich and gives to the poor. I am 62 years old. I've been involved in some form of full-time ministry since I was 19. For the last 43 years now, it is obvious that churches that are blessed keep getting blessed. And churches that are not blessed are stuck in yesterday. What is it then that we can get a hold of that if we've got it, I can have more? Because whatever that is, I want it. So I'm not here to preach voodoo and some mysterious myth and mystery to you. This is what it says later on in that chapter. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. You are familiar with the parable of the sower, that he sowed ground and some of it was just hard. It was the path that had been pounded down by feet. There was other ground that had stones in it. There were other ground that had weeds in it. But there was a fourth kind of soil that produced a great harvest. Jesus is at the beginning of his ministry, so he is trying to not be so blatantly obvious about his plans, and he's doing this in order that the Pharisees will not take up arms against him too quickly. When he was done teaching this parable, and all the religious people were gone, his disciples said, what in the world were you talking about? And he said, the seed is the word of God, and the field is the world. And he said, there are people, he said, that are like the path. And he said, you put seed on that path, and the birds come and pick it up and take it away. That's what he said when he taught the lesson. But when he taught the revelation of the lesson, he said, if you're that kind of person, you don't have any understanding. And the enemy, that wicked one, he said, can come and snatch that seed of the word, which was supposed to get down in the crevice of your spirit. But because you didn't have any understanding, it was stolen by the enemy. The testimony of the Apostle Paul confused me for some time because as you're probably aware, Saul of Tarsus was converted in Acts chapter 9. On his way to Damascus in Syria, a light knocked him off of his horse. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. But in verse number 7, watch what it says. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. Years later, Paul would give his testimony in front of Agrippa. And in the 22nd chapter of Acts, verse 9, when Paul was recounting his conversion, he said, And they that were with me 
saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. In Acts 9, it said they heard a voice, but they didn't see a man. When Paul was telling it, he said they didn't hear a voice, but they did see the light. And I always wondered, why does it in one verse say they didn't hear a voice? And the other one said they did hear a voice. It doesn't make any sense in English. But when you go back to the original language, it makes perfect sense. Because the original language puts great emphasis on understanding what they heard. They heard something in chapter 9. But it was like they were on the edge of a conversation. They could hear the muted muffles of something going on between Saul and his Savior, but they did not understand a word that was going on between the two. And that's how you reconcile these two verses. They heard something, but they couldn't make out. They didn't understand what was being said. And that's why in Matthew 13 and verse 19, it's so important because it is the parable of the sower. And what Jesus is teaching is that if you do not understand the times, if you do not understand what's being preached to you today, then the enemy could just gobble up that word like a bird gathering up seed on a sidewalk. What you have is important because if you don't understand the value of what you have, the wicked one can take it at his leisure. So the thing that is so important right now, God, help us to understand what's going on. What's going on? I have preached and I have heard it preached all of my life that when Solomon assumed the throne after David, he prayed for wisdom and God gave it to him. But in study this week, I found out that I was wrong and so was every other preacher I've ever heard. Because in 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 9, I found out that Solomon did not pray for wisdom. He said, God, give me an understanding heart. In verse 10, it said, the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked for this. And if you know verse 11, he said, because you didn't ask for riches and long life and popularity, I'm going to give you all of that as well. And it fulfills the teaching that Jesus gave us in the book of Matthew. If you've got it, then you're going to be given even more and you're going to have abundance. And if you don't have it, what you have is going to be taken away. What is the it factor? What is the thing that we have to have in order to guarantee the continued favor of God on our life, and even more, a blessed future. And that answer is simple, understanding. 
If you read the book of Luke, at the beginning of the book of Luke, talking about himself, he said, I had perfect understanding from the first day. What a joy that had to have been to have a guy like that in the church. I spend much of my time trying to explain to people why are we doing this and why are we doing that. I can't tell you what a delight it is to be to pastor so many of you that just get it. Early this morning, I got a text from someone in this church. It was very precious that said, Pastor, we're with you. We see what you want to do and where you want to go. Just lead us and we'll follow. For people to have understanding and perception. In other words, because you have asked for understanding, I'm going to give you more than you asked for. Because in every incident, ladies and gentlemen, in our lives, the arrow is always going to be beyond you. Everything I have ever wanted in my life was beyond me. The college that everybody told me I would never be able to attend. But before I opted to go to school in Houston, I got a letter and a mail and said, we've accepted and we'll be happy to welcome you in our student body. They told me I couldn't go to that school, but they were wrong. The girl that I wanted to marry, so many people told me I didn't have a snowball's chance in you know where, but she's my wife today. The places I wanted to preach and the men I wanted to meet and the level of anointing that I wanted to experience was the, and the, the, the kind of church that I wanted to pastor. It was always beyond me. I, 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 I had never seen it. It sure wasn't something I experienced. It was beyond me. Now we've got a vision of two services on Easter, another building and that empty piece of grass over there, the foreign projects that we want to see become a reality. All of them are beyond us. You got to understand that's the understanding that you got to get. You're never going to have it. You're never going to have it. I got a, uh, a text and then a phone call from Brother Robinette. Just been in Bangladesh with Brother Corbin. We've got almost $100,000 invested in that work in Bangladesh. I won't kid you, there have been people and preachers that said, what in the name of God are you putting your money for there? To that third world country. But two weeks ago, they had a crusade and 8,000 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And Brother Robinette said, I want you to see this. And there was a young preacher and his wife that were a part of the team that he took to Bangladesh. And that precious Pentecostal girl from probably some small little place in the south in that beautiful southern drawl, she said, I was praying for this woman and she was born without an ear. And we just kept praying and the power of God moved. And she said, all of a sudden, the woman just started screaming and she just pulled her hair back and she said she had a brand new ear. She said, I'd just been praying with her 10 minutes before. She just had a hole in the side of her head. 
But she said, when the power of God was manifested, I literally saw God grow a brand new ear. I saw that. <laughs> Explain that. I can't. I can't. That kind of stuff is beyond us. Don't you get it? We're never going to have enough. Never. I remember standing back in the mud about four or six inches deep back there where the sound booth is now. There were six columns and just the roof was on. There was no slab poured. There were no sides. There was nothing. The wind was blowing through here. We had stuck straw in the mud so that it wouldn't go all the way up to our knees. I remember coming back in here in a day all alone and hearing a voice that mocked me. What in the name of God is wrong with you? You are never going to fill this thing up. Where in the world are you ever going to get $2 million? But look around you today. It's full. It's paid off. The voices that talked to me were lies. They were lies. I wish, I wish that I would have built a building to seat a thousand. But we only had about 80 back then. So having a building that seat 350, they said you build for twice what you have. Uh, I, 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 I built for four times what we had, thinking that was so far beyond anything that could ever happen. But look what God's done. Because back then, this was beyond what I could possibly imagine. But we stepped out in faith. Now we're going to go further. It's beyond what we have. That's the understanding that you have to get. That if you have that understanding that there's never going to be enough, then you won't be intimidated by the facts. And you won't be intimidated by the prophets of doom and gloom. And you won't be disconnected from the Holy Ghost. And you won't live in despair. It's always beyond me. You want a misfit? There are people in this room right now. You've got vision. You know God's called you to do stuff. You can't figure it out. You can't flesh it out right now. But I, I, I'm here to encourage you. Do not give up on your vision. Because I'm not going to give up on my dream. Because the Bible said I have planted. Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Ladies and gentlemen, if it grows, God did it. If it grows, God did it. Not by my might, not by my power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Read all the books you want to. Go to all the seminars you want to. Learn all the principles of growth you want to. But Jesus said, upon this rock, I, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'll tell you what we have on our hands. We have a jealous Jesus on our hands. I would like to see Jesus come back right now and confront these, these false prophets. I would like to see Jesus come back and confront all these people who have said to people, God told me this and God told me that, and he didn't say anything even close to that. 
We've got people saying this and that. No, no, I'm telling you what. We've got a jealous Jesus on our hands because he wants to understand. You water, you sow. I'm the one that's going to make it grow. Don't you dare take, don't you dare take credit for that. I build the church. I heard John Maxwell say, give me six months and I can build a church anywhere. Not a real church. Not an apostolic. You can get a crowd together. But to build an apostolic church is a difficult thing because we're talking about rare commitment here. We're talking about rare commitment. And the difference between the true and the false is sometimes difficult to know because if you go back into Kings, there's a prophet there and the prophets of Baal have got the same sacrifice that he has and they've got the same wood that he has and they got the same rocks that he has. But then he throws him a ringer and he said, the God that answers by fire, let him be God because he knew something the others didn't know. Our God is a consuming fire. And so in the middle, I was going to preach this to you in our mission service, but God will give me something else. In the middle of a drought, this prophet made them pour barrels, barrels of water. What a waste that seemed to be in the time of drought to be able to pour out all of this water when you needed that 20 bucks, but you still gave it away. When you're worn out from working all week, but you still lift your hands. That's why the fire falls in this church because we've got a commitment because where there is no sacrifice, there will never be any fire. And the second reason this is so powerful is because of the water. The others didn't have water. We handle water differently than every other church on the planet. We are people that join water with the name of Jesus Christ. We handle water differently. Nothing, nothing frustrates me more than a pastor who is convinced I need to quench the moving of the spirit in order to get a crowd because intelligent people won't come to a worshiping church and wealthy people won't come to a worshiping church. I was in Lapeer 10 days ago. Debbie told me about three young men that were there. I sat down with these three young men, 18 years old from a place called Deckerville. I said, have you ever been in an apostolic service ever? And they said, no, this is our very first time. So I just sat down started talking to them. I knew they were they were they were farm boys. So I said, did anybody get a deer this year? And one looked at me and said, I broke my back. I said, what do you mean you broke your back? He said, I was playing football right before deer season and I got hit by a big linebacker and he broke my back and I was in the hospital. And the other one said, well, I saw a couple, but I didn't get any. And the third one said, I got four. I said, well, that's great. You got enough for all of them plus one to spare. And we're talking deer hunting and deer rifles. And we're sitting there in church and singing the songs. And all of a sudden, the man said, we want Brother Hoppin to come and preach. And I looked at them boys and said, pardon me, i got to go to work. And all of a sudden, that boy said, you mean you're? I said, yeah, I'm the guy. So I went up there, and I did my thing, and I saw those young people begin to sing. I put that worship team in Lapeer. They were magnificent. They were incredible. I watched 500 kids, man, worshiping, praising God. When I got done, I walked off of the platform, and there were them three boys right over there by that by right by the platform and I said so what do you think and the 18 the one that had the four deer he said we can't wait to come back this was incredible real legitimate worship will do nothing more than attract 
hungry people. If they're not hungry, I'm not interested. I'm looking for hungry people. I'm looking for people that want to get their sins dealt with, that want to sleep at night without despair and a bunch of doubt and a bunch of grief. That's what I'm looking for. I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced of this. This is what God is saying to us. Do what you can, and I'll do what you can. Because the Bible said, for all have sinned and come short. (laughs) Everything we do is going to come short of glory. If you know your Bible, there's something called the Antichrist. I wish I had time to talk to you about that. When you deal with the God that we serve, first he was spirit, and then he was wrapped in flesh and became a man, and then he birthed a church. Same thing that goes on in the true goes on in the false, because Satan is a spirit. But one day he's going to have a man, and that man is going to give birth to a movement. I could talk to you about the son of perdition, the father of lies. I Don't have time for all that right now. But I do know that according to the scripture, he is assigned a number. Six, six, six. And if you have any understanding of numerology in the Bible, six is always man's day. Seven is always God's day. I don't care what the enemy does. It's always going to be six, six. Six. It's always going to be flesh. It's always going to be carnal. But God kicks it up a notch and takes it to another level. (laughs) I was reading something today that amazed me. I listened to Brother John's message while I was gone. What a great message on sound. See, ladies and gentlemen, if you're here today and You need a deeper walk with God. First of all, you're going to have to do something. And then you're going to see it in a moment. Then the ministry is going to have to do something. And then God's going to have to do something. Because you and you alone have to repent. No one can repent for you. But then the ministry has a job to do. We will baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then we're out of we're out of our out of our limits here. Now God's going to do what only he can do. Only God can baptize with the spirit. Only God can fill with the Holy Ghost. In just a few moments we're going to baptize an amazing young man. He's already repented. He's done his part. We're going to do our part. But we're believing God's going to do his part. There are multiple, there are multiple accounts in the Bible of Peter and the apostles being delivered from prison and jail. But my favorite is in Acts 12. He's not just in jail. He's in the inner prison. And the angel of the Lord, the Bible basically said, kicks him. He's so worried about what's going on, he's asleep. (laughs) He's sleeping in prison and the angel nudges him and wakes him up. 
And he said, we're leaving. Peter could have said, what about these chains? Don't worry about that. I got that covered. What? What about the guards? Don't worry about that. I got that taken care of. What about the gates, the inner gates and the outer gates? How? Don't you worry about that. You know what the angel said to Peter? Put your shoes on. Put your shoes on. We're going somewhere. What I'm asking out of you is get ready for the journey. I'll do everything else. As a church, we've got great prayer meetings for the last Monday. I want to know what's going to happen next tomorrow night. I want to see if we're going back to the same old 50. Or I want to see if we're going to stay above 100. I'm going to see where you are. Because I believe in the Holy Ghost. God is asking us to do what we can do. You've proven for three weeks now, you can do this. Nothing is going out except by prayer and fasting. We got this thing moving now. We got to keep it moving. All right? But listen to me very, I don't care what we do. If we'll do what we can do, it will never be enough. But if we'll do what we can do, God will do what only he can do. And it will always be more than enough. Always. So are you up to the challenge? Do you understand? Where are we going to get this money? The coin is in the fish's mouth. I'm not going to tax this church and expect you to give $5 million the way it is right now. I believe we're going to catch a lot more fish. Jesus said the coin's in the fish's mouth. If you catch the fish, you'll have the coins. It's as simple as that. Are you ready? Do you want this church to stay away? We got a nice little thing going on here. About 300, 325, bills are paid, everything's good. Do you want it to, uh, it's gonna have to be beyond you. You're gonna have to see 500, 600, 800, 1,000, and then go to two services in that building. You gotta be able to see beyond where we are right now. Because if you don't have that understanding, then he's never gonna give us more and he's never going to make this place the unique place that it's meant to be because blessed churches keep on getting blessed and revival churches keep on having revival and harvest churches keep on having harvest and the others just stay the same. I want to be a harvest church. I want to be a healing church. I want to be a holiness church. I want a manifestation of God in this house. It will only happen if we get an understanding. I'm giving, I'm doing everything that I can. I know it's not enough, but you know I'm doing everything that I can. You're going to have to make up the difference. Will you stand? Will you stand? Will you stand? You keep the promises you made. There isn't one that is delayed. So I will not lose hope.